Fan Morning Show, Sports Center 59 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Here are the teams below the Toronto Raptors in the overall NBA standings. Ready? I am. Portland Trailblazers. Raptors lost to them. Charlotte Hornets. Raptors lost to them. San Antonio Spurs. Raptors beat them, but we're down 20 points. Needed an insane comeback in the second half to, to, to beat the Spurs. It was electric. Uh, Wizards beat them by, by, by four points. Pistons lost to them. It's it's it's, it's a yeah that was the old Raptors though yeah the loss to the Pistons that was yeah no team. no they're worse since then because oh, yeah Pascal okay. Siakam is no longer on this team and he was uh, he scored thirty five points I'm I trying in that here, game ben. against the Pistons I'm trying it's rough rough times in in Raptor land as they were never really in yesterday's game against the Grizzlies dropped to the sixth spot in the draft lottery all right time now for our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. When you think excellence, you think Alvin Williams, Sportsnet Raptors analyst. How's it going, Alvin? Good. How are you guys? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, doing well. Okay, so th- that that was a tough watch yesterday, and there's been some, some good watches since the trade of OG Ananobi to the New York Knicks, and I'm still bullish on, on the players acquired. Um is that concerning to you, though, that against a team missing two of its best players, and in the case of John Morant, one of the best players in the NBA, looks as dominant as they do against this Raptors team that I understand is in like a period of transition, and maybe it's a rebuild, but does anything, like does the 48 minutes against that team, and particularly like the effort level at times, concern you? I mean, it doesn't concern me. It's, 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 uh, it's disappointing, but it doesn't concern me because, as you mentioned, it's, it's a point in time where the team is transitioning. And, you know, you're going to have moments where the team looks really good, look, looks really promising. And then you're going to have those moments where they don't look so good and they look like what the hell's going on. So it's just one of those things now at this position, you're still talking about maybe Bruce Brown getting traded and the trade deadline. So there's a lot of things still up in the air, but I think ultimately – the team is going in the right direction. They have the idea that, you know, Scotty Barnes is going to lead the charge and you're going to build around him. And it's just about putting those pieces together and identifying those pieces. And as, as well, the coaches, they're trying to figure things out as well. You're starting to see Grady Dick play a little bit more minutes and near the end of the game. So there's there's things going on, but I'm not I'm not concerned at all. It's a disappointing loss to the Memphis Grizzlies, but, you know, it's just one of those things where the team is at right now. Yeah, you shoot yourself in the foot with a bunch of turnovers, uh, especially early, and it's hard to claw back in a game, even even against a team like the Grizz that are you know under man with with Morampi and Dump for for the year there. But you know, I you mentioned Grady Dick kind of getting some burn more as of late, tail end of the game yesterday. Do you think? I mean, and I guess the answer can be both of those things. But do you think this is you know Coach Darko and the Raptors looking at it as a okay, we need this guy to start helping us now, and that's why we need to start giving him some looks? Or do you think this is all still with a kind of developmental eye? Because because, you know, you can make the argument that if you want the best version of Grady Dick, and I'm not going to necessarily make it, but I think you could make it, that you want him to just go down and be dominant in the G League and feel confident when he does come back up as opposed to having his kind of fits and starts here. What do you think it says about where the Raptors are at now that they are giving him so much more run than he got earlier on in the year? Just figuring it out, you know, like you get your G League looks, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say that, your performance in a G league is going to necessarily translate to the NBA. There's a big difference, but I think it is important for Grady to get his opportunities and for the team to get their looks right to see if he can play at this level. I'm sure he can. 
and see what it's going to take. Again, if you're building and you're starting to retool a bit, you want him to be a part of it. I mean, that's your lottery pick, this year's lottery pick. So you, you just want to give him a chance and you want to give put eyes on him and, and get, get him some reps. You know, he has to get reps. In order for you to get better, you have to get reps on this level. You have to get the speed of the game. You have to get, the, you know, the reputation from the referees and other teams and things like that. So I think it's important for Grady to get these opportunities, but also him being patient and everyone else being patient. So if he does have to do a stint in a G League for whatever reason, you know, embrace that, continue to grow, and then when your time and on a consistent level, you, you you're ready to perform. So I think it's important for Grady to make sure he um he he makes the most out of these opportunities. Uh, before the game, Jocko Ryakovich was talking about the the role that uh, Emmanuel quickly plays on this Raptors team, and that he's the the lead guard. But that that I mean his his three point shot is such an effective weapon that he wants him shooting like eight, nine, ten threes a game. He had six yesterday, and and by and large he's been. Great offensively since becoming a Raptor. A tough shooting night overall for him yesterday. Three of 13, but the 10 assists. This is a guy that was coming off the bench in New York with the the Knicks, is now put into this this lead guard role and supposed to be, you know, running the pick and roll with Scotty Barnes for the next decade or so. How do you view the transition to that role, and, and w- where do you ultimately see him fitting into this Raptors offense? Patience again. You know, it's it's a lot of patience when you're developing, and especially young players that's transitioning into, again, a new role. Not just a new team, but a new role, new expectations. There's expectations on Emmanuel quickly now, right? And and he's very good. He has the potential to be one of those players that can be a game changer. When I say a game changer, he can change the tempo. He can change the way defenses play um, his teammates and play him and play the – the entire team so he has that ability he can score from the outside he can get to the basket he has speed he has finishing ability he has the three-point shot so he has all of those things so again it's about making sure they put him in a situation and him he's growing as well he's a young player he's a very young player in a new situation as a starter and you made a big time trade for him and he's a big piece so the expectations are there as well so I like, I still like him. I love what RJ is doing. RJ is even showing more than, than I expected, but I like, I like the combination of quickly and Scotty and, and even with another guard in there, whether it's Dennis Schroeder or Bruce Brown, I like, I like what he presents. So he's going to have to continue to get better. He's doing a very nice job of facilitating. He's, you know, the numbers up there with assists, but I like how he's controlling the tempo. He's finding his teammates. And, and and what a luxury! You got a coach telling you to shoot eight or nine three games. I goddamn like, geez, like, I, I would love I would love to have a, a coach tell me that. So he has the confidence and he has the ability for a coach to tell you that. I don't know, Alvin. Maybe we could get you a ten day. Uh, Dar- coach Darko, let anybody uh, let it let it fly there. I don't know. Maybe we can maybe we can work on that. Uh, in in terms of what you see at RJ, if you could just expand on that, because I agree. I I was pretty high on what the player could be here, but I thought it would be kind of an acclimation process. And you know, I I think we did see him kind of almost over deferring early on, wanting to be that good teammate and and coming to a new a new place. But it feels like he's really found his home. I mean, game high twenty nine last night again comes in a lot frustrating night for sure but I actually feel like I've seen a little more out of Barrett than quite frankly I would have expected and I was somewhat high on him when they made the trade yeah and and he's showing that he really knows how to play the game you know in certain situations I've watched him in college and I watched them early and he's still 23 years old 
with the Knicks. And a lot of times, it, RJ looked like he would force things, like try to try to get downhill, go through contact, where there's two or three people in front of him, he's still going. But he's doing a phenomenal job of passing the basketball to open players and also moving without the basketball. I think this offense, Darko's offense, really – with the spacing and the movement, it allows him to maximize his ability. It's not just when he has the ball in his hands. So he does a nice job of backdoor cutting. He's getting alley-oops. He's running the floor. He's playing defense. He's playing physical defense. And he's just playing the whole, the, the entire game. And I think what he's doing is he, he's another piece with this Raptors team that could put a lot of pressure on the defense. He can get downhill along like Scotty, Emmanuel quickly, and guys like that. So, He's doing a very nice job fitting in, and slowly but surely, he's he's turning into a go-to guy at certain times of the games, whether you need a basket, whether you need someone to get to the free-throw line. He's doing it all. So, And he's also rebounding the basketball. So I love the way he's playing the game at this point. Yeah, he's been great. I mean, Scotty Barnes has been great. He's had a great season. Emmanuel quickly, uh, yesterday notwithstanding, has been largely great. That's three-fifths of your, your starting five. I mean, am I out of line in thinking that, like, this this team doesn't need to be a bottom six team in the NBA here? Like, this is what we're looking at this season, but maybe beyond, right? Like, if they if they have their first-round pick this year, it, it, it kind of behooves them to, again, finish bottom six next year to get their first-round pick next year, and it turns into two seconds beyond that. Like, okay, I, I understand that the, there's there's more to a basketball team than just three players. That's a pretty good starting spot for me, Alvin. Like, what should my expectations rightly be for a team that has Scotty Barnes, R.J. Barrett, and Emmanuel Quickly on it? You know, it, it's hard to say what your expectations are. I mean, they're your expectations. I'm going to let you own your expectations. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, 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 I expect better still, than that. <laughs> they're, they're, they're still young. Right. And Scotty is still growing into a player. And Emmanuel, those are three young guys under 25 years old. You talk about three of the fifth starters, three of the five starters. So it's like it's hard to put a finger on it. But I think if you're upper management, I think you're hopeful. I think you're still evaluating and seeing what pieces can go around there. But you also you, you, you want if you are if you are rebuilding. And I know people don't like to use that word. You have to commit to rebuilding. I, I sit here in Philadelphia and watch the Sixers, and no one committed to rebuilding more than those guys. They they went for seven straight years of, you know, it was a revolving door with G League players. They were trading some of their top players for assets. And I think you just got to go, you got to go with the lumps and got to make sure it's understood that this is the direction we're going. Now you fall into a sensitive area because your top guys can get impatient then they got they got to learn how to win. They got to learn certain situations and things like that. And in today's NBA, the market, guys are leaving teams. You know, guys will leave teams and they won't stay home. So it's one of those things where you got to be sensitive and you got to be careful and cognizant of, of how what direction you're going into and make sure you commit to it. So, I mean, I'm not sure where the Raptors, where they want to go, but definitely have three young, very good pieces and I think as long as they continue to grow and understand the process of it, then then the skies can be the limit. But you got to be patient with it. 
Yeah, it's it's so interesting, and I, I'm with you on the idea of not wanting to, to rush this thing. I mean, teams in all sports have definitely ruined really nice windows by trying to push in and, and you know, try to have something, you know, fully baked before maybe it was it was ready. But I look at a guy like Scotty Barnes, and, you know, I, I'm not saying it's happening this year. I'm not saying it's happening next year. But if this team is going to go where it's going to go, it's with him as a kind of top, I don't know, eight, nine, ten player in the league, maybe even better than that. And I, I just look at players like that, and they're rarely on teams that kind of find themselves in this spot. Now, Wembenyama's an incredible talent. The Spurs are going to be awful. Cade Cunningham, obviously, we don't think he's he's fallen off as a player, and the Pistons still stink. But how much does this make you – and I want to be clear, this isn't me killing Scotty Barnes. I don't think he's the reason the Raptors are losing all these games. But if you have one of those truly transcendent players, it, it rarely coincides with a team that's so middling. Do, do, you, do you understand what I'm getting at here, Alvin? Yeah, I do. And and again, it's, it's once again, it's patience. And again, identifying if Scotty is that guy, you know, like he has to grow into that. It, it's very hard to give someone the keys, right? And you, you got to earn it. And I think that was something that you, you would hear uh, Fred Van Bleet talk about his rookie year and even last year. Like, you know, you got you to earn it. And I think he's doing a very nice job of transitioning into, you know, being that type of player that we've seen he can be. Now it's about being consistent. It's about on the court. It's about off the court. He's a leader. He, he's been put into a leader, a leadership role, and he's going to need support. He's going to need support from the coaching staff, and he's going to need support from the management because I'm sure, you know, this is the first time at this level that he's had this role. So is his talent there? Yes. Is he going to get better? Has he shown that he can get better? Heck yes. So I, I like, again, Scotty Barnes being in, in that position, but you have to surround him with support. Uh, every leader needs support. And with Scotty's case, you need veteran players possibly that can help him, right? That's been in that position. That's been, that's very productive. He has veteran players and daddy is young and Garrett simple and out of order, but you need more. You need some more players that's still going to go in there and play light in the night out. So he can continue to learn as well. So, you know, he, he's, again, he's in his, in his position. I saw with the Sixers with Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were stinking. And he and you see what he is now. And people still he still faced criticism in the playoffs because again, it took him four or five years to learn how to win. He had to learn how to go through it. He had to learn how to receive coaching. He had to learn how to play with other great players. So this is the process when you when you take this route that you that you will run in and run into some challenges. But again, once you're if you're patient and you have an idea of the direction you want to go in. I think Scotty Barnes, along with the support, is in a right and is in a good position. Yeah, we know the direction now. It was a little bit confusing at the beginning of the season, certainly confusing at last year's trade deadline when they gave up a first-round pick for for Jakob Pertl and Masai Ujiri at his most recent media availability, talking about the Pascal Siakam trade, said, you know, he owed it to these guys to to be loyal, to give them a, a shot to to prove that they were worth adding to. Uh, since then, that, that has proven to be the incorrect uh, mode of operation because, yeah, they've, they've gone the opposite route. Um, but And this is a guy that has been cold. Like, he's made one of the coldest moves in recent NBA history, trading away the franchise icon that was DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard, and he was uh, rewarded with the championship. So, like, we know he's capable of that. But since then, it's been a lot of, like, ooh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I want to I want to show my loyalty to to guys that are here on this Raptors team. Is that a big deal around the league? Like, do, does does that have an import uh, when it comes to other players viewing the situation here in Toronto, that the guy at the very tippy-top of this organization has, has a loyalty to his players? 
I'm not. I mean, Masai is my man. I'm not. I'm not sure about the loyalty in this business. <laughs> I hear. I hear with Masai, and and the thing about and the, again, the challenge with Toronto is we we haven't really seen a lot of players, you know, jump at the fight to come to Toronto to play, right? Through mm-hmm. trades, through draft picks, and things like that. That's where Toronto's had the most success and re-signing their players that's been here for the long term. You know, that's been. You know, I think Tracy might have been the first person or that didn't resign, but I remember Vince and Chris and all, all those guys resigned. You, when you get to Toronto, you you enjoy, you understand what's here. So I know, like Masai, he has a job and that's to win, but he does have to have uh, understanding and 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 understanding the temperament of the league and the, and the culture of the league and where players want to play and where they want to be. If you look at Toronto, it's, they've all, they've always had challenges of, of signing free agents. So you have to make sure you take care of your own. And when you do have those relationships with players, and it's very hard to see them go because they have committed to the team. Like a Demar Derozan, you know, he wanted to be a Raptor for life, and it's very hard when you have to make those decisions. Fortunately for the Raptors. They won a championship. That's not always going to be the formula. I don't think you can think you're going to win championships after a trade or a trade or two. So you got to make sure you're very aware of, you know, what, what, what moves you're going to make. But if you are Masai, there is an emotional standpoint. But I do believe with all general managers and presidents and and run, and and, and, and uh, captains of the team, or not captains of the team, but the leaders and the presidents of the organization, they have the business to take care of. They have the organization to look out for first and foremost. So that's the, that's the priority for all of these guys. Uh, gotta, gotta ask you a quick non Raptors one. I know you were, you know, like busy working the game, but yeah, you're watching the game, but you, you see it. I mean, Joel Embiid 70 cat loses, putting up 62 and eight. I, I can't remember a night. I mean, going back to Kobe with the 81, since we had one performance like that, the fact that a guy has 70 and 62, another guy is 62 in the same night. I just, I cannot remember a night of performances like that in the NBA. Uh, you know, I know you're always of uh, dueling minds when somebody's doing too good of things in, in Philly because of those fans. But uh, yeah, just your your reaction to the nights from Cat and Embiid last night. No, it's unbelievable. It, and it just shows you the game again. Like Joel Embiid scoring 70 points in 37 minutes. Like you, yeah. that's a triple overtime game and, you know, one of those type of things, right? <laughs> but, you know, it's just, the game is going up and down so fast. There's so many more possessions, but the players are so skilled, right? He can score from the outside, score from the inside. And again, we talked about, you know, I've watched Joel Embiid take some lumps. Even last year, the MVP, you get to game seven against Boston and, you know, here in Philadelphia, they're killing this guy, right? And he and James Harden, but just seeing what he's doing and seeing how he continues to, to, to improve even at this stage of his career. And, it's funny you hear him say, you know, I'm I'm starting, I'm learning the path, and that's always been a part. Talk to the great Wayne Emery, and he said, Al, as soon as players learn how to pass, they become offensively that much better because now you're one-on-one. They, you have to respect you. So now he's getting opportunities. The things that we've seen the Joker in Denver do with the passing ability, and he's scoring. I mean, he, he goes games where he's not missing shots at all. He's, yeah. he's like 80% from the field. So these big, phenomenal their style of play, their approach, their IQ, and they're, they're in shape. And that's another thing about Joel Embiid. For him to score 70 points in 37 minutes, that's, that's being in phenomenal shape. And that's some of the things that's been questioned about him in his, in his career, injuries and being in, in, in shape. So 
he's just showing. And with Cat, he's doing his thing too. But the loss, and you hear their coach saying their team as a whole, and especially Cat, they lost sight of the bigger picture, and that's the win. They started playing bad basketball, chasing for the 62 points. But, you know, the points are there. The skill set is phenomenal. The game is much faster, and it's just evolving. So it's not going to be – it's going to be some more big-time scoring. And then these players watch each other, so they're going to they're going to be competing, trying to get that seventy number this year. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, eighteen rebounds and five assists to go with the seventy points for Joel Embiid yesterday, too. It's ridiculous. Uh, Alvin, always yeah. a, a pleasure to chat. Thanks for this, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. You too. There's Alvin Williams, our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain, maybe you heard of him. I, I I'm familiar. Yeah. He holds out the picture with the 100. A lot of people Photoshop it. Yeah. That's, how, that's my understanding. Okay, so that season is yeah. the, the greatest scoring mm. season uh, in NBA history. <laughs> per 36 minutes, yep. Joel Embiid now on, on pace to, to be better on a ratio. Yeah basis than yeah, yeah. than will chamberlain you got to use math to be better than than wilt you gotta you gotta find a way because if you just do the counting stats it's uh she's tough when you score a hundred points yes yeah, scoring in a basketball game yeah know. i mean whatever whatever else you go probably that too yeah. uh the mb thing is incredible i mean I, I just now i need scotty barnes running shirtless to the through toronto in the summer like joel Embiid was at like three in the morning in the streets of philly and has come up and that's what inevitably led him to this moment it that is the crux of everything we talked about with Alvin. There is just how good, and you know, it, maybe you think it's a manual quickly. I don't think many people do. It's like how good can Scotty Barnes be? If he's the fifteenth best player in the NBA, we have one conversation about this team. And if he eventually becomes a top fringy five guy or something like that, it's a very very different one. And you know how I know that because I just watched Pascal Siakam be the best player on the Raptors. And guess what? He was in that kind of seventeen. 25, 30 range, depending on the time. There were times mm-hmm. where he was slightly higher than that. Oh, Brent, we were having legitimate MVP conversations around Pascal Siakam in the run-it-back year before COVID. Like yeah. that, that was the level the player mm-hmm. achieved. It's yeah. a multiple-time All-Star. Um, before, before we take a break, yeah, just one last thing on the Masai thing for me. Mm. And, like, this is... I mean, the, 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 the take of, hey, Masai Ujiri is too sentimental over the last couple of years has been, yeah, it's, it's an obvious, uh, correct take, I think, yeah. on the situation here in Toronto. But I, I also, like, I, I'm putting myself in Masai Ujiri's shoes here, okay? Okay. This is a guy that... Nice loafers, I'd imagine. Yeah, really nice. Very expensive. You wear Leather. Gucci, you've worn Gucci shoes before, though, so yeah, I don't know. Like, Masai, same guy. Generally, I wear these van slip-ons. <laughs> Anyways, uh... Is a guy who, yeah, and Alvin rightly points it out, this, this Raptors team has never attracted a free agent to Toronto, right? Like, it hasn't worked. Hito Turkoglu, like, great. I actually looked up if Alvin was on that team. He was not. Yeah. Thank and God for Alvin. It, it just, it <laughs> hasn't happened here in Toronto. So, yeah, you it, not unlike the conversation about the Edmonton Oilers and Corey Perry, we got to be super ecstatic when, when somebody decides to stay or you're able to acquire somebody right. and... Yeah, it's just it's not a destination for NBA players, despite you know everything we know about the city of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Demar Derozan wanted to be here; he wanted to spend his entire career here. I got us, and Masai Ujiri did the coldest thing that you can do to a franchise icon outside of the Blake Griffin thing, where like the Clippers showed him like his future yeah. re- jersey retirement yeah. in LA, and then like months later traded him. Other than that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which is all, but that's LA, and like yeah. still, that's it's the Clippers, yeah. but it's still a destination, as Kawhi rightly showed us. Mm. But okay, that you said that's all well and good, and yeah. this is Toronto, but get the hell out because we can get Kawhi Leonard, yeah. and boy, proof is in the pudding. Won a championship. Since then, though, I do find it hard. Like you can fault it because it's 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 all about winning and putting your mm. franchise in the right position going forward. Which yeah. he hasn't done. Like, there's just no right denying. Now, no. He, there's just no denying that trading a first round pick for Yaka Pearl not the right no. mood. And and I, I I'm I would hazard to guess that the return on trade for OG and Pascal last year's deadline would have been better than what they got this year. Maybe not in the case of OG because he yep. got a, a yep. couple of pretty good players. Certainly Pascal Siakam, the three uh, first round think. picks and two of them in this crappy draft. Yes. Anywho, but if you view it through the lens of a guy trying to rehab his image around the league. Mm. From a guy who's like, I don't care if you are a franchise icon and you've chosen the city of Toronto and you've you love it here, like you could be gone tomorrow because I'm cold calculating. I'm Bill Belichick. Mm. If and, and ultimately push comes to shove, I think you want to err on the side of that. Yes. As opposed to the side of, oh, I mushy, like friendly guy that hey, you like it yeah, here in Toronto, you get to get you get to play forever. Yeah. Um but yeah, I do understand in the subsequent years trying mm-hmm. to tell or signal to the rest of the NBA that you're you're not the the most cold calculating executive in the history of the sport. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. I don't know that it's a hard and fast calculation on his part. I think that he has always valued loyalty, but you know, like you value you value anything up to a certain point. It's like, yeah, I value my house, but if someone's going to give me Kawhi Leonard for it, I don't know where I'd live after that, but it's like I'd have Kawhi Leonard. And that's how I think he viewed the DeMar DeRozan trade of, look, I don't want to trade DeMar DeRozan. I really value him. He wants to be a Raptor. That is not worth you know, let's just do the Siakam thing. Three first-round picks and a bunch of filler contracts. It's not worth that to me. Oh, Kawhi Leonard in a championship. That's very much worth everything to me. That is easily worth DeMar DeRozan and his legacy and loyalty. But for a move like Kyle Lowry, which obviously was different, which we talked about, Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, another example. Like, yeah. they could have gotten maybe a better return in trade for Kyle Lowry. but I actually do think that one's different when you're talking about the true greatest player who has one. Not... Not could have, maybe did, no, did mm-hmm. the thing. I actually think that one is different. I don't think it's necessarily a conscious thing to rehab the image. I think it was more the stubbornness on his price. Yeah. When you talked about selling your house for Kawhi Leonard, yeah. I think of like, oh, how would you have shelter? And then I think of Kawhi Leonard's giant hand yeah, just, over, just your head. over my head. Yeah. Be like no drafts in the winter. Yeah. You, could, you could cut both his huge hands around <laughs> me and my family. Be great. <laughs> and if like, and great. some houses, like they make a lot of weird house sounds. Uh-huh. None from him, like no talking. So it'd be perfect. <laughs> That's true. Total silence. Like if you, you've, you've like been in a house where it's like, oh, why is it creaking at oh, yeah, night? What's else, going yeah, on? Yeah. 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 None of that with Kawhi mm-hmm. Leonard. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Your house has a ghost though. All right. No, I've lived in House of a Ghost, but not this one. All right. We could talk about that later. Yeah. Not now. Okay. Because we're going to talk Leafs. Uh, but before we do that, I have to say that ahead of the 2024 Rogers NHL All-Star Game this year, we will be giving away family four-packs of tickets to the NHL Fanfare coming to Toronto February 1st through the 4th. Just listen for the daily code word and episodes of the Fan Morning Show today until January 26th and text it to 59590 to be entered for a chance to win. Today's code word is McDavid. Our next code word will be in tomorrow's episode. However, tickets to the fanfare also available for purchase at NHL.com slash fanfare while supplies last. When we come back, Luke Fox with the scoopage on Ryan Reeves. 
He joins us next, Sportsnet's Leafs reporter, as the fan morning show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning. Leafs in action tomorrow against the Winnipeg Jets. Gonna get in their fill of Canadian teams as it will be the Jets again on Hockey Night in Canada in Winnipeg on Saturday as the Jets gave up more than three goals in a hockey game for the first time in a long time. 35 mm-hmm. games yesterday in losing to the Boston Bruins. Let's talk to Luke Fox, Sportsnet's Leafs reporter uh, after his sojourn to Western Canada. How's it going, Luke? It's going well. I think the I think the body is still on West Coast time, but... Uh... But I'm here, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of fun <laughs> hockey. A lot of fun hockey. Those Alberta games uh, and the Vancouver game, like the atmosphere for a regular season game when the Leafs go through that swing, I think it's unmatched. Oh, it's it, electric. It, those, those barns are just buzzing. Oh, my God. And it's so fun when you have competing uh, fan bases because the Leafs Nation shows up, and they're the, they're the real fans, the loud fans. Yeah, uh, it it is fun. Like I don't know if it, you guys have ever gone out there for a Leafs game, but no. put it on your put it on your bucket list. It yeah. absolutely is, and I can tell you're still operating on on West Coast time as you just take a shot at all of our loyal listeners who are not the the loyal Leaf fans, according to you. Uh, like those no, people. No, no, I know what you mean, Luke. I know the, the tickets are a little more affordable. They only come once a year, so you, it's mm-hmm. like make an appointment, get the buddies, go on a little road trip. Oh, if yeah. you live in a, in, a, in a small town, Alberta, like it's a thing. Yeah, very much is, and uh, very much on my uh, on my bucket list. I spent some time in Alberta in the summer, uh, but even I wasn't able to find any hockey out there. Might have to uh, make some amends. Yeah, and your your body clock is probably a little messed up, but not that messed up because you you still get the seven o'clock Eastern game in in Vancouver on the hockey day in Canada, right? <laughs> like favorite. I'm, I'm sure you could have you felt the vitriol coming off that fan base getting to, you know having to play a a game on Saturday at four in the afternoon. True or false? Former Sportsnet five ninety the fan employee Dan. Riccio yelled at you in the press box about it. That did or did not happen, Luke. <laughs> that, uh, that didn't. That didn't happen. But you, you know what? The the dirty secret with with sports writers is we love the matinees. The oh earlier the earlier the game, the better for us because we got to work another two hours after after the buzzer. <laughs> and uh, you know, but if if it's a four p.m. start, there's still some some fun to be had in, in Vancouver Attaboy. afterwards. So yes, there yeah. is. Uh, although the 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 game the very next day in a different country kind of <laughs> yeah, ruins yeah. that. Good job, schedule makers. Great job yeah. by. Well, yeah, Sunday night at nine too Eastern. That was rough. Yeah, the, you know what? If the Canucks have to bend the knee, so should the Kraken. I like. I understand. You know, Saturday night hockey night, all that. But if the Canucks have to bend the knee, so so should the Kraken. Um, we've gone long enough in this conversation without talking about the. I don't even know if you you know not to not to say that you didn't think of it this way but it's like i don't know that you realize the bomb you're about to drop on leaf station there with ryan reeves uh i'm good to go story uh great job by you getting the exclusive there what have you made of the reaction and is it what you expected when you were talking to revo well when you get off the plane from seattle and the first phone call you get isn't from your wife it's from elliot friedman <laughs> uh, can't we all be you, so lucky huh <laughs> yeah yeah i guess you realize that you've caused a stir i mean <laughs> Guys, honestly, the, the healthy scratch story is, has always been one that that's interests me because 
These guys are, are proud athletes. They're competitors. And when they're on a run of healthy scratches, you usually get, you know, a, a pretty candid person. Um, you know, I'm, I remember Matt Martin towards the end of the Babcock years talking to him when he was a healthy scratch. Um, you know, even, even Nick Robertson, I've talked to a bunch and, and, and you get, you either get a guy that's, you know, a little bit ticked off or you might get them a little bit reflective or, you know, but usually they, they, they're happy to, to talk, not happy to talk, but they, they have some feelings. They have some strong feelings. And so Ryan Reeves, after one of his practices, and he's been practicing guys without a, a non-contact sweater for a long time. And, and I think we all know why he's, he's not in the lineup. Sheldon Keefe needs wins and he doesn't feel like he's one of his best 12 forwards. He's actually basically slotted in number 14 right now um, with, with Nick Robertson 13, but man, he's scoring and making a push. So, you know, for Reeves, he signed a three-year contract, came in with a lot of, of bluster and, and fanfare and, you know, gotten some fights in his early games and, you know, caught, gave some great quotes. Um, sorry, there's my dog. Uh, but he's, you know, he's, he's at, at the point now where you can tell that he's a little bit frustrated that he's on the outside and he's kind of caught in this, in this limbo where, you know, uh, the coach feels like he's, he's not going to help them win games, but he's still under contract and he's just putting in practice and, and feel for a guy like that. And, you know, someone asked me, like, did Reeves come up to you or, or did someone say that he wanted to talk? And that wasn't the case at all. Like, it's not like this guy's trying right. to make a, make a case, but it, he's uh he's a candid guy. He's a, a straight shooter, and if you ask him a, a question, he'll give you an answer. No, that was the, that was I I assume that was the case, right? Because I mean, there's there are some that look at this as like, why are you making waves? That's what the money's for. Just shut up and 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 take the money, and you know, get back in there when they ask you to. But the, you're 37 years old. You got a three year contract, and and yeah, you were a, a net negative when you were playing. Um, yeah, stop stop making yourself a scene here. But yeah, you asked a direct question. He's not going to lie to you. And yeah. I'm sure it's not being told to to lie to you, but yeah, here we go now, though, right now. Now it does start like the least of 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 the of the 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 concerns coming out of that thing. I think is that you know this guy is healthy and he's on injured reserve. <laughs> like, did does and we know this happens all over the league and and so many places it's allowed to happen because it's under the radar because you know we're we're not having the the beat reporter of wherever it's also happening on to talk about it. But now this is it's. It's a, a public record that that he's saying he's been healthy for a couple of weeks. Do you think this becomes an issue? I don't know how big of an issue it is. I mean, it was kind of similar. He's kind of caught in a similar situation that Wayne Simmons was, right? I think you know. So what do you, what do you do? You could put him on. Uh, you could put him on waivers. Basically, that they right now they have the maximum number of contract slots. So if he comes off IR, then that's a contract slot that needs to that needs to come off. So they have their decision is, you know, just keep them in limbo like this and say, well, you think you're uh, healthy, but we have a doctor that says, you know, hockey might not be good for your knees right now. I mean, you could always make that argument. These guys are, are pretty battered or you put them on waivers and that's embarrassing for the player. It's embarrassing for the GM who signed them to a three-year deal. It's, it's kind of, waving the white flag that this signing didn't work out. And, you know, you can bury a lot of his cap hit 
um, on the, in the Marlies, and I think it's only two hundred grand or something. It actually counts against the cap. Um, so I guess that's their decision. Or he, or he played. Um, you know, I was kind of wondering, like, if there were a game that you wanted to put him in, maybe it's against the Winnipeg Jets, just because the Leafs' history with the Jets recently, uh, things have gotten testy. So I was, I was half wondering, like, is, is, is one of these Jets games a game that you actually use them? Uh, the problem is the Leafs are, are still in a dogfight to get points, and, and it's, it's very clear that the team doesn't think Reeves is the best option to help them win hockey games right now. So that, that's what they're left with. Um, you know, and then it's just it's, it's too bad. Like, I mean, a lot of the focus – uh, from what I've seen from the story is on their, their IR conundrum. Or, but, you know, there's also like a human being here, right? Um, and it, I just find it like a fascinating uh, human interest story of, of an athlete that is maybe starting to realize that it, it was great. I got this great contract, lots of money, lots of term. I'm going to come here. I'm going to make the room loud. I'm going to change the culture. And now he's kind of, just really kind of kicked to the curb. Yeah, it is uh, certainly a lot of bluster coming in, both from, you know, like gas bags such as myself and Ryan Reeves, a lot of bluster on, on his end as well, and it certainly hasn't uh, hasn't worked out. Uh, in terms of somebody who will play in for sure one of those Jets games, I think it should be the one we're going to see tomorrow. Uh, that's Ilya Samsonov. Found his footing. Uh, wasn't busy, but needed to be exceptionally good when he was on, on Sunday against the Kraken. Uh, how much stock are you putting in the bounce back there and what we saw in Detroit? Would you give him the net on Wednesday? And if that goes well, would you give it to him again on, on Saturday, Luke? Where are we at with uh, Sammy after uh, a bounce back performance against the Kraken? Yeah, I, I would give him the net. Um, you, you need to find out if this is for real or not. I'm not, ready to, I'm not ready to declare... Sammy's back yet, right? Like, okay, he had a, a decent, yes. <laughs> a decent start against Detroit, uh, then a whole week of practice, and then a very solid start against a Kraken team that, for the most part, the, was a really weak team. Like that is a a bottom third offensive team when they're healthy, and they were missing some of their best players, right? Like they, it was uh, a pop gun offense, but. He made like two or three ten bellers in a tight one goal game. Uh, he came up big. I loved his his attitude. His it, just his posture in the net looked way better. It looks like he's starting to turn the corner here. I think this is something to build on. Uh, but you know, playing against the Jets would be a completely different animal. So I would say give him the start just because I think they they ran Martin Jones almost into the ground. Like I. Kudos to him, right? He's full value for less than a million bucks. Third string goalie getting called up, got them a bunch of wins, kept them relevant. You know, things could have really gone off the rails if Martin Jones didn't play the way he did. But he's starting to show signs of of coming back down to the Martin Jones we saw towards the end of last season. He needs a breath. Um, And then you also have to find out what you have in Samsonov. Is this bounce back for real? Um, because you need to, to know if, if you should entertain getting a goalie before the trade deadline or just saying, hey, Samsonov seems to be finding his ground. We know we have a good third option in Martin Jones. We know Joseph Wall is going to be healthy eventually here, and, and we'll just stay pat. So I would give him, I, I would give him the start. 
Um, but I'm not ready to say that we're back to the Samsonov of last year when he was at his uh, peak. Yeah, uh, and I, I don't think we'd be ready to say that even if he comes up with a 60-save shutout tomorrow against the Jets. I mean, such is the nature of goaltending. It's scary how quick I am ready to come back, though, Luke. <laughs> Honestly, sure. like, I, I, I'm with you guys. Like, it needs to be more than one game. It needs to be more than two, but... I don't know. We've been sitting here talking about how great the Jets are and that they're just this machine who plays mm-hmm. tight, con- consistent hockey games. If there's no reason, in my opinion, you can't start both of them if, it, if tomorrow goes well. Oh, I it's expect like, him to start both right. of them if so he plays like well tomorrow. How, I, I'm with you that it's like you don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves. We have seen such a roller coaster with this player, but just the nature of goaltending, especially anyone with any type of track record, it is kind of remarkable. And I don't know, maybe you feel differently, Luke, but how quickly. I feel like I can talk myself into this if this week goes well. Well, maybe part of that is because he's a guy you want to root for. You know, in sports, we love the redemption story. And he's such a likable guy, personality, that, that you want to see you want to see him succeed. So maybe that plays into it. And plus, you know, it's kind of, like you said, there's a lot of hot hand uh, you know, going on here, winning your in. Like Martin Jones, last two games, he was, uh, okay. There was a couple. Mm. There, a <laughs> couple Vancouver pucks. was bad. Vancouver was couple, like, like legit pucks, bad. You, you got to cover that rebound, right? You got you got to make sure no one can whack it out of your glove before you smother it. Like there's, And then there was a, that leaky one, the dry settle one in Edmonton. There was yeah. just, and, and that's fine. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not here to to rag on on Martin Jones, but I'm I am saying that you know let let's just take it game by game here. But I, I would definitely give say I try to build run his momentum that he that he built in Seattle and see what he can do against a, a much more legitimate team. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, again, Martin Jones, 34 years old, and like uh, Dante from Clerks, he's not even supposed to be here today. So, okay, <laughs> whatever. He's He, he did a, a more than cromulent job. but And I know these things take care of themselves, right? Like, hey, it, it, when Joe Wall's ready to come back and he went on the road trip with the Leafs and we, we were uh, led to believe that he had no chance of playing and he didn't play, and, and it feels now with the proximity to the All-Star break that it's going to be post-All-Star break. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he comes back post-All-Star break, I mean, if the conversation preseason was you can't afford to let Martin Jones go through waivers, I mean, it's yeah, you really can't let Martin Jones hit the waiver wire right now. And I guess the cap situation would allow them to carry three goals. That is not an ideal way to operate roster-wise. Like, what what happens if the, the Leafs have a healthy Joe Ball right now? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, which is why I think you need to find out if Samson's for real. Uh, the one thing I, I, I would say is, yeah, you, Martin Jones probably wouldn't clear waivers just because his his cap hit is so friendly. Um, you could try carrying three goalies. Like the Leafs have been carrying extra bodies on mm-hmm. that road trip. I mean, last year there were times where they they didn't have an extra or they had one body extra. Whereas um, right now they're they're carrying two extra defensemen. Like you could. Actually, it was actually a genius move to sign John Klingberg, so you'd know he wouldn't play and you'd be able to do all this. Really, yeah. it's like three dimensional chess. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, there are guys you, you could send down. You could carry three goalies for a little bit. Uh, a bunch of teams have done it more than normal, actually, this, this season. They've carried three goalies for a little while, but I, I think there is some urgency to to get it settled and find out who your two guys are. And the, the other thing is, Samsonov's price tag is is so high that I I, I think he could, could clear again when if you need him to clear again, like I the. You know, contenders, 
there's no there's no cap space and they're yeah. they're thinking whatever cap space I do have I got to use that for to, to, to potentially add a, a nice piece before the trade deadline so um you know Samson, I think Samsonov's price makes him uh, per, it, he would he would he would get through waivers again if he needed to I, I think you just as an organization you need to find out who your guys are yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, and I know it's looking ahead past the All-Star break, but how excited are you for Monday, February 5th, when one Patrick Waugh walks into <laughs> Scotiabank Arena as Islanders <laughs> coach? Factory. How great is it that he's back in the league? The best. I'm, I'm, the best. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy. It's, it's like there's certain characters, certain personalities that it's like you, you want them back. Um, and grow so, the game. It, I'm not joking. And, like, it grows he it. Is, He's been trying for so long. Uh, you know, he, I, I, he's changed agent, agents a couple times, trying to get jobs in the NHL, and then goes back and, and wins a championship in junior and kind of forces the hand almost, like, look what I can do. Look what I can do as a head coach. Um, and, and I love that. I love the fact that he's, he's still so passionate about it. Like, he, he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest goalies to ever live. Like, he could just rest on his laurels. But how attractive is it uh, that he still wants to be involved at the highest level, that he still wants to compete as a coach? And I I was not a fan of of the direction that New York Islanders were going under Lane Lambert. They seem to have lost their identity that they had built under Barry Trotz. It's like, are they this defensive juggernaut? No, they're not all of a sudden, but they're not, you know, scaring you with their, their offense in particular either. They were kind of like, a little bit rudderless. So now you bring Patrick Waugh into your organization. You have a voice. You have an identity, whether you you want it or not. And and, <laughs> and, and look at this guy. This guy shaves because I know. <laughs> like hilarious. No. Power of Lou. It is. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and a couple of big personalities at the the tippy top of uh, the organization there. But uh, perhaps Patrick Waugh learning his lesson from uh, his Colorado adventure. That yeah, you see, he's gonna keep uh, to his thing and let Lou do his thing. Uh, I imagine he's very appreciative of the opportunity. Uh, Luke, great job as always on this uh, roadie and uh, look forward to reading you this week. Thanks, man. Okay. Have a good day, guys. You too. Luke Fox, Sportsnet's Leafs reporter. Grinding, man. Working. Yeah. Not like us. Like we just, you know, just on the microphones. Watch a Leaf game and say, hmm, I like that or I didn't like that. Yeah, and I mean, there's fun things about traveling, but that's, yeah, he's got a family. (laughs) I know you you don't like to leave your home. I I really don't. Uh, And the Leafs, you know, their all-star break starts after Saturday. They don't play again until after the break on uh, February 5th against Six schedule. Six schedule. Yeah, it's great. Islanders. Two-game week leading into an all-star break. Just what we need. Great. Luke is going to be grinding because the All-Star break, uh, you may know, is, is here. Heard. It's I've here. And starting with the, yeah, the draft on Thursday night and the skills competition for a million bucks. Anyways, uh, we don't have time to expand too much Mm-mm. on the three goalies thing, but I, I'm, I'm like really intrigued to see how that thing plays itself out. And Luke's right. Yeah, you can send Samson off through waivers again, but do you want to do that if he is the Samsonov that well, you saw last season? He's either helping the team or I think you pass him through waivers to try to save yourself the million and a half. Like he yeah. is either helping the team or he is uh Toronto Marley in name only is kind of how it feels. This like. is kind of, this feels like the last kick of the can for him because then if he, if, if he's not on the team, you're looking to get rid of his cap it before or at the deadline to try and bring in 
Unless you're just punting on the deadline entirely. Well, I think, I do think there's a world where that happens. But that feels like a conversation for tomorrow. All right, let's have it tomorrow. Let's. Uh, this has been Can't the Fan wait. Morning Show. Ben Annis, Frank Gunning, Sportsnet 590 Fan. Good, Good morning. morning.